Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gamblernet in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, everybody, welcome into the Auburn Live Football Show. Appreciate everybody joining us. I'm Justin Hokinson. Cole Pinkston, my colleague, is with us as well. Cole, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just trying to hey, dive in the storm right now. Oh yeah, storms, man. We had we had some thunderstorms roll late Saturday in Auburn. Um, maybe it's Friday. I don't know. All the days run together, but we had a, a ton of rain here as well. So, um, yeah. and then I think that's what went into Atlanta which is what caused the delay in the Under Armour uh, Elite Basketball game on Saturday evening, oh, which, why oh, are we you, playing outside? You, but we you also, went there. You went there, I, huh? No, I didn't go. I just saw that that rain was rolling through. I'm like, that had to be what, obviously what we got in Auburn. Uh, but we won't talk about that game because nothing happened that, at that game. I don't, there wasn't, it wasn't newsworthy. I didn't think uh, we would talk about that one, but hey. Yeah, no, it wasn't noteworthy in any really real big way. So we'll just sort of uh, we'll just sort of not talk about that. Um, <laughs> all right, real quick before we get into the football show, quick shout out to our main sponsor of the Auburn Live Show session, Cocktails in Downtown Auburn, right next to Taco Mama uh, on Magnolia Avenue. Go check them out. It's an awesome cocktail bar lounge. You got booth seating, bar seating. You got some couch seating. Um, it's it, it just a, it's just a cool environment. It's not a place that you go and you're standing up and you're waiting through people and trying to get up to the bar. Um, you have to have a place to sit to get in. Uh, they make fantastic cocktails. It's just a a cool atmosphere, cool vibe. Um, go go say hey to Hunter and Joe and Avery and all the good people at Session Cocktails. They make great old fashions, happy hours from four to six. Um, so go check them out. It'll be an awesome place on Saturdays, I think, to pop in and have a drink. Uh, when you're downtown hanging out um, and not feel like you're in a college bar. I know a lot of people that aren't college kids wonder, where can I go? This is a great place that sort of encompasses 
all of all of that. And you have a, a, a really cool mixture of people. So go check them out, Session Cocktails in downtown Auburn. All right, Cole, let's jump into this uh, this football talk scrimmage. Auburn scrimmaged on Saturday, the first big scrimmage of the fall camp, which oftentimes is one of the most important. I mean, it's a chance to set your foundation. And if you're a guy competing for a job, it's your chance to go out there and let, you know, stake your claim, make that good first impression. We talked to Hugh Freeze afterwards. We had tons of scrimmage notes in real time on the message board. So we kind of have a feel of how it went in general. Um, and then we talked to Hugh Freeze afterwards a little bit. Um, what are you thinking about? Now we're, I think, eight practices in. A scrimmage is under your belt. Things you heard from the scrimmage. Where's your head at in terms of, of this football team? What are some things that you heard coming out of Saturday that you're either excited about, um, concerned about, just curious about? Just kind of where's your head at with this team after the scrimmage? Well, you know, a scrimmage like that is the first chance you get to see quarterbacks sort of under duress, I guess more so than they aren't practice. Of course, you try to create those situations at practice, but it's a little different. It's a game like you got officials out there. They're throwing some blitzes at you. Of course, you know, I think I put a lot of stock into it. They still can't be hit, okay? They're not actually getting hit. They're not live. So that, you know, it's just the way it is. You have to keep your quarterbacks healthy. But at the same time, can you get a real read on the quarterback situation when they're not live? I don't think so. Um, I think that's the main thing. So, you know, I heard a little bit about the quarterbacks. I heard really good things about the offensive line. I thought that, you know, what I heard about them, they did well in the run game. Um, pass, you know, pass protection wasn't as good, but I, the person I talked to at least, or one of the people I talked to said, well, I'm giving a lot of credit to the pass rush. I think the pass rush was good. So these are some things. Obviously, the you know, the run game is going to have to be good. Um you know, the pass rush is, was a question mark, sort of, and it still is, but you have some more bodies there that can make things happen. Steven Sings, Elijah McAllister, these are guys I heard, you know, had a sack or a tackle for loss in the game scrimmage. So that's good. Um, you know, it, it's hard to get a good read of how everything is, but the coaches at least know now what they're dealing with at each position. Um, they know what they have in a game-like setting, and I think that was the most important thing. Why you're not really doing the situational stuff as much, but you're trying to put everybody in a in a uh, you know uh, one of those situations where they're stressed a little bit. Yeah, you obviously you, you talked about the quarterbacks. We might as well start there uh, because that's where all the attention is. Uh, Freeze had had an interesting comment after that scrimmage, and he was asked about you know, hey, at media days, or it might have been it might have been at uh, media days, it might have also been at the beginning of fall camp. He said, you know, those first few practices, maybe first 10 days, he wanted to try to get that thing from three to two and then let those two guys go and compete. Um, And that was the question asked to him, just so we're clear. It wasn't, hey, do you have a starter? It was, hey, you know, you talked about getting this thing from three to two. Are you any closer? And his response was, I thought I was. I I thought I had my mind made up, but then I'll have to go back and watch the film, kind of saying Saturday things change that. So what I'm not sure about is – the because I, the question was asked, and I don't know if he if he answered that question or if he heard, do you have a leader? And he answered that question. I'm not exactly sure what question he answered in that. In terms of, he could be saying he could have come out of Saturday saying, I thought I had a top two, and now some things happened Saturday. He could be talking about two and three, not even one. To be fair, 
Um, and so I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure what he was referring to. Either way, whatever happened Saturday shook some things up with the quarterbacks. Um, what we heard and what we know that Freeze confirmed is Robbie Ashford threw touchdowns, Holden Garner threw a touchdown at least, Peyton Thorne didn't. Nobody turned the ball over. That's good. Um, I had somebody tell me that, that Holden was the better quarterback on the day. I had somebody else tell me that Robbie was the better quarterback. I know Robbie made some mistakes, but I think Robbie made some big plays too. And so I come away from Saturday thinking Robbie is is a little bit is, – is doing a pretty good job and maybe pushing Peyton Thorne more than we thought he would. I don't know that that's necessarily anything that Peyton's done wrong. I mean, nobody turned the ball over. I think there's two things to take away – when you're talking about the quarterbacks, I wrote about it at AuburnLive.com, and I just want to reiterate because I think it's important. One, Hugh Freeze said he thought that all three guys did did some good things on Saturday. Two, he said nobody turned it over. Then, then I guess the third thing would be he he really kind of got onto the receivers about running some wrong routes and loafing a little bit um, in the yeah. RPO game, and he specifically said. I thought the quarterbacks made some good decisions, but then the receivers weren't where they needed to be. So, one, the receivers are going to impact the quarterback race. You know, and they'll take that into account, but they need to play well. But what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily sound like the quarterbacks or any quarterback played particularly poorly on Saturday. It sounds like they did some good things, and it feels like they're getting better. And so when we talk about the quarterback race, to me, this is just my opinion, I don't think it's a thing where – Peyton Thorne's playing terrible, is, is playing down to everybody else. And I think Peyton Thorne's kind of here. Maybe he hasn't pushed ahead, but I think Robbie and Holden have maybe been a little better um, and, and are closing the gap a little bit. That's just kind of how I see it. Um, but I don't see what happened Saturday necessarily as a negative that maybe there's a few more decisions that need to be made in this quarterback battle than coming out and just saying, Peyton Thorne's the guy. I know that would make everybody feel easy because it, but even, even if he did that, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean that Peyton Thorne could just be okay. And the other two guys could be so bad that Peyton Thorne's the clear cut starter. So like there's ways, there's ways this thing can shake out and, and you can look at it different ways in terms of whether you're excited or concerned about there being this battle or not. So I just think, I think there's a lot going on there and just a lot of perspective and context there, but I didn't come away super discouraged from from what I heard. Um, I think the big thing with Robbie, and, and you, you answer this, Cole, when I look at Robbie, I'm thinking, can he improve his – one, his ability to pass the ball and his accuracy, and then, of course, two would be decision-making within the offense and delivering the football. Can that – can he elevate that from the spring enough that his running ability pushes him over the top? Because he's got this running ability that's his X factor, right? And so to me, it's can that can his passing game can it bring him up enough to where you go? Is he our best passer? No, but he's but he's not bad, and he can run. And then because of that combo, is he a part of the legit equation? That's kind of how I look at at Robbie. Yeah. Well, number one, um, he, Hugh Freeze is not going to talk about. He's not going to go too deep into the the quarterback rotation and the and the competition number, and it's not just because he's paranoid or he wants to be secretive. It's because he doesn't want the competition to end. He wants that yeah. to continue to go on. Because if if 
you know, if he were to do a depth chart and say, all right, here's number one, here's number two, number three, let's just say Robbie's at number three, if that were the case, he's, he, you know, he's probably worried he's going to put his head down and stop competing. So they're not going to talk about that yet. They want the competition to go on. And and I think the reason for that is because nobody's really just pulled away, you know, a lot, I'd, I'd say. Maybe somebody's sort of leading the pack. But I don't think anybody's pulled away enough to go, all right, he's the guy, you know, that's that's it. He's the guy. Um, I think they, they know each guy brings something different to the table. So now the question is, who makes the offense move the best? It may not be who's the best quarterback. It, it really may not be that. If you want to talk about who can throw the ball the best, it's probably Holden Gurner. If you want to talk about who can run the ball the best, it is 100% at Robbie Ashford. Who can manage the game the best? Might be Peyton Thorne. So knowing what they all bring, who makes the offense the best for what the personnel is? I think that's something that we don't know and we're not going to be able to figure out in fall camp from the the little viewing windows that we get. And if we're not at a scrimmage, we're not going to see it either. And here's the thing too. I, I thought this was I thought this was the key thing. If if nothing else, this was the key thing that Hugh Freeze said. It was he put the blame on the receivers a little bit more than the quarterbacks. And you pointed out pointed that out just a second ago. That means you know, we heard Camden Brown when we talked to him on the round table the other day. Hey, everything's an option route. Everything's a choice route or whatever they call it. Same thing. Option route, choice route. That just means pre-snap, you're supposed to make a decision. Do you run the slant inside based on the, you know, alignment of the defense? So that means the receivers aren't there yet with that kind of stuff. But the quarterbacks are handling it pretty well. If you're going to pick one of the positions to not be be handling it very well right now, you'd rather it be the receivers, I think. Sure. Yeah. So if all three quarterbacks are able to figure that stuff out and there were no turnovers and, you know, he didn't point anybody out saying, ah, he, you know, this is where he messed up or he messed up, I think the quarterbacks did some good things. They had to have, you know, made some good reads uh, as they're, you know, they're still installing this offense. So you got that going on, but. It's just it's just the option routes and getting everybody on the same page. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be who, who makes the offense move the best. If that means they go to Robbie Ashford and do what they were doing at the end of the year last year, they might do it. I, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying. I don't think it's who's the best quarterback. We got we don't have we don't need to look at it that way because I don't think they are. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um... And yeah, I think that's, uh, I think the receiver part of it is fair. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like Saturday was a little bit of a dose of reality that, hey, the quarterbacks have a ways to go. The receivers have a ways to go. And we knew that, right? With a new offense and a bunch of new players and a scheme where there's, there's options and you got to be on the same page. There's just a ways to go. Um, you talked about the receivers. Let's just talk about that real quick. He was, he was not happy, um, with, with the receivers. I mean, I think, when you toss out the word loafing, Loaf, yeah. when you say that, I was surprised that he said it. And, I mean, I, I think you can appreciate the transparency. Um, man, when you say loafing, if you're a wide receiver and you see that, you're like, wow. He, he just called out everybody in that receiving room and, the, and Marcus Davis. When you say loafing and you say missed assignments and you say, you know, running wrong routes, that is um, very indicting. And so I think that was that was probably the most concerning thing I heard because 
Um, you know, and you've also got some injuries there that are that are concerning too. But at receiver position is is that position on offense that we've talked about it. To me, it's every bit the question mark, if not more than the quarterback. Um, yeah, I think we talked about it last week where I thought there was – I was like, shoot, there's less production at that receiver position in SEC play than that quarterback in big-time football. I don't know. Um, but that receiver position is a massive question mark. So you come out of Saturday a little discouraged. Now, to be fair, he did say they had an incredible week. He did say in totality he thinks the group's getting better. But on the big stage, first scrimmage, pressure – running things like let's go in the stadium, it didn't go well. Uh, and that, that, to me, that carries that carries a pretty good amount of weight. Despite the really good week of practice, you got out there with signals and fast pace and defense and tackling and everything, and it went poorly. Um, and so that's not that's not a great sign from the receivers. We did hear Shane Hooks had a, uh, at least a touchdown or two. It sounds like he was maybe the best player on the field. Javaris Johnson, we understood now why he's not on the field. He got banged up, he's got stitches in his mouth, and Hugh, Hugh Freeze actually said he was having a really good camp, but now he's yeah. missing some time. That's a bummer. Camden Brown, he said he's barely practiced since he got here. He's been banged up in the spring and the fall. So I don't – you hear that, man. I don't know if you can count on Camden Brown for anything. He's missed so much time in the spring and the fall now. And then Malcolm Johnson Jr. has missed a little bit of time too. But that receiver position, it seems like it's going to be a, a work in progress well into the year. Yeah, um, you know, here's the thing with with the receivers right now. Um, I'm not going to say it's the hardest for them with an offense like this. When, when you're running a lot of option routes, that's not the easiest thing to do. Um, I don't know if, you know, if you've ever played receiver, I, I certainly haven't. You know, you can look at me and know I was not a receiver. But an option route's not easy because you have to understand what you're looking at. That's difficult. It's not like it's on paper, okay? Sometimes the guys lined up a certain way, and you can't figure out what the best option was, right? That's why they're throwing everything at them right now. Their heads are spinning. That's that's part of where we're at right now in this part of camp. So I expect that from the receivers. I don't care if they're seasoned veterans. It's a new offense. They're trying to learn that part. The thing about what Hugh Freeze did in the offseason, bringing in guys like Jair Shorter and Shane Hooks and Caleb Burton, I, to me – those guys have talent that I haven't really seen in Auburn's room in a minute. Uh, just the three of them together. So when you get to the point that they are understanding things a little bit better, when you get into games, then you can start doing the stuff that's, you don't have to think. You just go out there and play football, a back shoulder throw. You know what that is? Hey, my guy's better than yours. That's what it comes down to. Right now, you're not doing that stuff. You're not testing your guys your defense with your guys right now and what skill sets they have. You're throwing them into the fire and showing them what to do. This is how we're going to do this. You got to figure it out before we get to a game. So we're not, I just don't expect to hear anything from scrimmages like, Oh, you know, um, Shane hooks mossed JD rim today. (laughs) I don't think they're doing that kind of stuff. I think they're giving them the more complex stuff so they can get used to it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. That's, it's very possible. And yeah, I think, um, I mean, the whole run pass option, obviously the, to me, quarterback in football is the hardest position to play in any sport. I mean, it's unbelievably difficult. Yeah. The decision making, the, 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 just a short, we're talking about seconds to process a ton of information. 
But in this offense, that receiver position has got a lot of that responsibility too. They got to, they have to see the, the same thing the quarterback does. They both have to see the same thing. Um, and then they have to be on the same page. If, if one of them doesn't, which is kind of what it sounded like Saturday, quarterback yeah. would pull and then he's looking up. And the next thing you know, the receiver should have run, you know, like you're saying a slant or he should have vacated. Mm-hmm. He should have, he should have been in this part of the field. And instead he saw the defense a certain way and did this. And then yeah. you're, you're the best trouble. way to put it is he, he zigged when he should have zagged. Yeah, and I heard I had somebody in there that told me a couple times. Literally, they texted me. Uh, Thorne just had a couple of moments where he held the ball too long. Uh, yeah. Robbie just had a moment, a couple of moments where he held the ball too long. And without context, I'm going, well, that's not great. Then you hear Hugh Freeze say what he did about the receivers, and you're thinking, okay, that's the other side of the story, which is which always happens, right? It's like watching a game and you see – um, you know, you see something go on and you think it's somebody else's fault, but the reality is somebody over here missed a block or, or he ran the wrong route. And so there's a lot of things you don't know, but that receiver position is, um, yeah, I think you come out of Saturday a little bit concerned. I think you've got some, got some athletes there, but if there's not, if they're not on the same page with this thing, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. It could be ugly. I mean, I guess the good thing is you've got three non-conference games to try to iron a lot of this out. That's the best thing they got going is, They've got the rest of fall camp and then three weeks of more of practice and game prep before SEC play starts. So they've still got, you know, whatever, six good weeks before the SEC play you know, starts. Um, and they're going to – sounds like they're going to need every bit of it to make sure these guys are on the same page offensively. Yeah, they are. And, and that's that's part of transitioning to a new offense in general. So, you know, I basically what I'm trying to say all together here – and each with each thing that I've said is don't don't read too much into a first scrimmage. I, I I know we tend to do that. It's just how it is, you know. But um what I want to see in the next scrimmage is you know, less of those what Hugh Freeze calls MAs. I noticed he used that term, misassignments. Yeah. Um but you're expecting he was expecting misassignments. He knew that was gonna happen. He wanted it to happen because it's great to look back on film and go hey this we're not going to do this again this is where we messed up this is why Peyton Thorne uh got sacked because he held on the ball too long because you did this and this and this so it's it's a great learning experience that first time that first scrimmage and next they're going to start getting into some situational stuff and put them on the goal line and and here's you got two plays to score you know that kind of stuff so you know I, I I'm I like what I've heard to me there's there's a lot of points that might make you go, oh, wow, that's not good. But to me, there's a lot of things I heard that I was like, yeah, you know, that's a good place to be right now. All right, hold that thought. Let's get into some positive comments um, in a minute. Real quick, want to give a shout-out to another one of our sponsors, GameTime.co. GameTime.co, visit them. Uh, they're a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all things sports, comedy, music, and theater. They give fans access to last-minute tickets to the most popular events in more than 60 cities across the U.S. and uh, in Canada. Um, it's, uh, it's just it's a really good ticket-buying app. Go download the app. Um, they have last-minute ticket-buying options. Um, they also provide, if you find the same uh, section, same row ticket for less, they'll provide you with 110% of the difference. Um, back to you. They'll credit you 110% of the difference back to you. If you buy tickets through gametime.co and then you go and you look and somebody else has got that price beat, 
that's the same within a couple of seats, basically, same section, same row, they credit you back 110%. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of the difference, so that's cool. Um, so go visit GameTime.co. Um, you can use the code WARIGLE and get $20 off your first purchase. Again, the code WARIGLE, all one word, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed, GameTime.co. All right, Cole, we've been a little bit negative, okay, which is, I think, you know, that's sort of, I don't know, people will learn. Unfortunately, that's kind of my default. Sorry, people. Um, I'm just cynical by nature, and so <laughs> I'm I'm always going to lean I'm probably going to lean – I mean, I don't know. I go both ways, but I just tend to be a little more cynical. Um, but from a positive standpoint, and some of what we talked about with the quarterbacks, we actually kind of defended the quarterbacks. So that actually wasn't all negative. We kind of – we sort of painted that, I think, in a, in a little bit better light. The receivers were certainly a negative. Um, O-line sounded like they played pretty well. Run, running back sounds like there's no issues there. He said he's very pleased with how they played. Demari Austin is balling out um, on the field. He's one of the leaders. Demari Austin has just quickly become – a, a player that you ha- you have to know. He's one of the most important players on the team. He's killing it. Um, I think a couple of things that were interesting, uh, they talked about the tempo. I want to get your take on this. He said they went tempo early in the scrimmage, and the offense really did well, and the defense struggled. And then he said, now I want to slow it down, and I want to watch people execute. When he did that, the offense stalled, and the defense dominated. What what do you – I sort of went a little bit more negative, shocker, on that because I think when you get into the SEC, you know, you're going to have to execute. You're not just going to run people into the ground, especially the better defenses. You're going to need to execute. And so hearing the offense really basically just stalled out once he slowed them down and said execute. Your tempo's not in your favor. Go execute. Um, they, they, they struggled. Um, and then the defense kind of struggling with that tempo is interesting because all we've heard is – this tempo is going to help us. This tempo is going to help us prepare. It's going to help us get ready. And then you go out there, and they really struggled against the tempo. Now it's still early. They're probably still getting used to it. But what was kind of your take on on the offense doing well with tempo? Then he slows it down, and the defense really dominating. Is that okay? Would you would you rather see a little more balance in those two things? Like, look, you don't have to dominate when you're on. You know, if you're the offense, dominate when you're on tempo, but don't completely stall out when you slow down, you still got to produce a little bit. And same thing for the defense. What was kind of your take on him describing how that went? Well, I think when they, when they were going tempo and having success, that's probably a false sense of positivity. All right. We're looking for positivity here, but what I mean by that is everything's more simplified. This was Gus Malzahn's whole thing at Auburn. I'm not going to get too complex because we're going to be faster than everybody and we're going to do it quicker than everybody. And that's what they did for a long time, and they were really good at it. But, you know, when they got into crunch time, a lot of times, they couldn't execute. So it's refreshing to me to hear that Hugh Freeze goes, okay, we did good in tempo. Now let's draw it back and try to execute some things here. And they struggled. 
Why? Because they're still learning. A lot of these guys are learning. And, and I'm going to tell you, when they get to the first game of the season, they're still going to be learning. I hate, I hate to, you know, be the bearer of bad news on that. No but, doubt. Um, but that's good news to me from a coaching standpoint, from Hugh Freeze's standpoint, Philip Montgomery, the offense as a whole. They realized this is not how we are. Okay, we're not going to be able to do this all the time. It's not always going to work. It's not that they got lucky, but hey, we were doing more simpler, you know, simple stuff. Everybody understood what we were doing when we were going tempo. Now let's slow it down, do some of our more complex stuff, the stuff that could break for big gains, you know, in, in game situations and, and get that going so we can have some things to look at on film when they mess up because it's going to happen. Count on it. Um, but I think yeah. it's a good thing too that the defense took advantage of that. So Hugh Freeze made the point. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to answer your questions about scrimmages because we're going against ourselves when the offense is doing yeah. well. I'm worried about the defense and vice versa. <laughs> like, that's a good point because you really don't know. I mean, could it be because, you know, the defense is actually terrible or is it just because you got lucky on a few plays on offense? You just don't know. Um, so now knowing now that they went tempo and then they, you know, all right, we're going to draw back and do something different this time and give different looks and give different things. That just tells me that he, he should have a pretty well-rounded offense when, when it's, you know, starting to come into fruition. Yeah, yeah, and I pointed that out. I told in the piece I wrote, I said, now just keep in mind, when you're talking about an intra-squad scrimmage, as Free said, you can go both. You can go either way with everything he said. Um, you can go either way. And so it's just yeah. kind of sort of picking um, what you think is the most important. Um, I think the biggest positive thing we heard was the pass rush. Really sung the praises of Jalen McLeod, really sung the praises of Steven Sings, um, which we've heard from some of the defensive coaches and we've heard from the players, certainly about Jalen McLeod, even Steven Sings too. That's probably the, that's probably the best thing we heard is that they're, they seem to be doing well. They're high motor guys. Um, because look, that was, that was the thing on defense. I mean, it was find a quarterback and then, there's a list of things they needed to do, but finding a quarterback, finding some playmakers at receiver, and figuring out, figuring out how you're going to rush the passer were certainly up there. Um, when you lose Derek Call and Echo Leota and in, in, in any league, but especially the SEC, and if you're going to try to win big-time games, you have to get after the quarterback. You have to. And Auburn literally did not have anybody that could do that. And so McLeod and Sings, they have no choice. They have to be those guys. They have to be what they what they're supposed to be, especially Jalen McLeod. We've heard at times from camp, I'm sure you've heard the same thing. We've heard the praises publicly. I mean, I've heard privately he's the best player on the team, yeah. and 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 so we'll see how that kind of pans out. But that was a really good positive. McLeod and Sings are big physical guys that have high motors. That are kind of just they're everything they should be for that jack position. It sounds like. You know, I worry less about the transition of. Pass rushers. If you can pass rush, you can pass rush. I mean, I, I really don't think that your, you know, your tackles are going to be better in the SEC. But I mean, how much of a leap is it really? I mean, you, th- you know, you, Auburn just took Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky, and he's going to probably start at right tackle, right? So, Jalen McLeod and Steve Sings were going against these type of guys, the same guys they're seeing at practice right now. Dylan Wade was at Tulsa, okay. My point is, I, I just I, I don't worry so much about the transition there. I think Steven Sings is sort of underrated, and I've thought that for a while. I have enough film on him for, from Liberty to go, yeah, he can do it. 
I mean, he was on one of the best um, tackle. I think they led the country in tackles for loss. I think sacks. so. I think so. And you heard Aldridge this week tell the story about that's a, he was going to Virginia Tech. I mean, that's yeah. a power. Not that it, you know people get in their head right where you go, and that does matter, right? Like different schools are going to recruit a different level of athlete. But Stephen Sings was headed to Bob Tech, and then academics became an issue. COVID became an issue. Liberty swooped in and got him. But right. that's a that's a power five guy. That's a player that Virginia Tech had committed, and and he had some other offers as well. So Stephen Sings is not like he's from Liberty. We're not sure. I mean, it's a that's a power five player that Vatech evaluated and was taking. So if that means anything to anybody. Yeah, and Rodney Garner, you know, gave him a look too when he was at Auburn. So he he's a guy that had some traits and he has since high school, and he put it together at Liberty and was pretty good. I mean. You, Again, you're talking about a defense that led in tackles for loss, and he was one of the better ones out there. So I'm not worried so much about that transition. I think he's going to be pretty good. I really do. Um, I was glad to hear that he had a couple sacks. Jalen McLeod, obviously the same same boat there coming from Appalachian State. Even Elijah McAllister. Now, he's the one I was worried about as a pass rusher, but apparently he had a sack, a tackle for loss, a chase down, that kind of thing, um, more than once. So that's – that's good to know that he can help out there. And then, you know, we continue to hear that Keldrick Falk is everything that he was supposed to be and maybe more as a freshman right now. And uh, being close to his situation and covering his recruitment, I had some concerns just because he played offense and defense at Highland Home. He comes from a small school. You know, the competition is not all that great. Um, he was, you know, he was raw. He didn't know everything – uh, he didn't know how to do everything as a pass rusher, as a defensive lineman. But all accounts are that he is absolutely everything that they thought and had a solid scrimmage. And it, You just have so many contributors there. When you're going back to last year and thinking of who you had, it's like, man, how, you had Derek Hall. He played every snap. And then Marcus Bragg would help out sometimes. And then you had to put Colby Wooden at edge, which is kind of unnatural for him, if we're being honest. That's what you had. So now you got options, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think that was the main thing you wanted to see in this scrimmage on offense and defense. What are your options? You know, how many options do you have at each position? How many of these guys could actually help you? All right, you may look at it and go, well, this guy can't play. He can't be in the game. You don't really figure that out until you get him into that scrimmage atmosphere. I think, and this is the main thing that I keep asking anybody that I talk to, they feel like they have options at every position. They really do. There's not a position that they go, you know, we're limited on options. No, I think this guy can play. I think this guy can play. It's more options than they had a year ago, and I think that's the first step in trying to get your roster back to where it needs to be. I agree. I'm not sure – I agree with you. I do think they have more options. I'm not sure they're they're, they're necessarily the, the caliber of options they want in the long run, but right. they're at least options. Like yeah. I think in a year from now, two years from now, they hope those options are better options. But when you're where you were last year, you'll take steps forward, which is quality bodies and options as it as it stands yeah. now. And so I think you're right. There's at least some options which goes back to competition, which is what I said um, in the spring. I was talking to somebody about the amount of transfers coming in. And I said, what's kind of being lost in that is 
the competition. I don't know about every individual player, but when you bring that many new guys in and you get rid of some guys that really weren't, they were the, they weren't contributing. They had a year in the program, maybe two, and they weren't contributing. You bring 20 new guys in and transfers plus high school guys at the minimum, at the minimum, you're going to get higher. You're going to get actual competition and guys are going to be pushed one way or another. And there shouldn't be any apathy at any position on any level. And we heard Jalen Simpson say that the other day. He talked about it don't matter if you're the twos or the threes. He specifically talked about that competition being there. And so I think that's when you're talking about those options. At the minimum, it's creating competition, and that creates that creates better players in the situation. You can't go you can't you can't go get more talent now. It kind of is what it is now. But competition can still make you better within this certain season that you're in. Definitely. Yeah, I mean. Linebacker's much better. I, I'm trying to think of a position that is not better than it was a year ago. And, I mean, you could say that the edge rusher, just because Derek Hall is that good. Um, but, again, you have more options. You have you have a chance to have fresher legs in at, at times when you didn't. And I mean, I was, you know, I've been doing these grading series where I grade players. I graded Marcus Harris against – Alabama in the Iron Bowl in 2022, where obviously Auburn got beat pretty good. Um, he was phenomenal against the run, but his pass rush was terrible. I mean, he graded 27% for me in pass rush in about 25 snaps of, of pass rush. He played almost every snap in that game, and he was gassed to the point where he knew, okay, I got a double team, let me – Give it everything I got. Oh, pass rush! I'm gonna take off. That that's gonna be the difference in this team because you have, like we said, options. You have fresh legs. You got guys you can roll in there. You got more than two groups. I got a third group that might can help me out. For, you know, defensive line, Jack, edge, linebacker, all of it. So that to me is is just such a big step in the right direction for, you know, trying to win these big games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was interesting. I think I think uh I think the only other thing that he said that I thought was interesting was talking about the defensive backs, didn't tackle very well, wants to see more from that veteran group, which is kind of the second time he's kind of uh been on them a little bit. The other time was early in fall camp when he said the DBs weren't really challenged in the spring and he and he needs them to be challenged more. So it sounds like he's still wanting to see more from that group. He's like, yeah, they're talented. Yeah, they're veterans. But but there's an underlying tone from him about, you know, kind of when when the, I think a lot is said and written about the DB group because there's a bunch of guys coming back. But I get the feeling that Hugh Freeze is like, that's great, but like I want to see it. I hear it. The ta- I hear the talent. I think they're talented. And I think they're veterans. But I didn't see them get challenged a lot in the spring by 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 obviously Auburn's offense. And then you come out in this first scrimmage and they don't tackle well. So he's a little bit, probably a little bit annoyed with that group. Like, don't say it, be it. Yeah. If you're going to say you're the best group or you're the most talented, if that's the things I'm hearing and seeing, go be it. Go be the best group. Um, and so I think he wants to see a little bit more um, out of that group. What do you want to see uh, as we wrap up? What do you want to see kind of moving moving into this week? Any particular things you want to hear about? Obviously, we want, we want to hear – Maybe a, maybe a little bit more clarity about the quarterbacks, but I don't know the next time we talk to Hugh Freeze, so I don't know that we're going to get any more clarity on that for for a little bit now. We'll talk to players, and we'll probably talk to offensive assistants a little bit 
Um, but I'm curious to kind of see what happens this next week. Um, he talked about them being gas, so maybe we hear a little bit about did that first week of heat and tempo, did that take a little bit out of them going to that scrimmage? And and how does this next week go? I think it could be a – I think they're just getting started in what's going to be a, a hard camp. they still got, I guess, another week um, to go. So maybe it's trying to grind through this last week, I think, for them. I want to see somebody separate themselves at receiver. Um, that's that's the main thing that you and I have both looked at when we go out there is like there doesn't because you can look at defensive line and go okay that's the first group you can look at linebacker and go yeah that's the first group DB that's the first group um, running back yeah obviously it's receiver is the group that we can't pin down we can't go like who who are the you know main three to four guys there it's hard to say right now so I want to yeah. see step up there I, I want to see somebody like maybe Jay Fair who we've heard so much about win that job or Javaris Johnson win that job and, and be the first guy out there every time. Um, but I, you know, selfishly, I want them to name a quarterback, <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. but like I said, they're not going to because they want the competition to keep going. They want them all to think they have an equal shot because that's, I think Hugh Freeze is just pretty, pretty good at the psychological aspects of coaching football and people. So just observing him as, as a recruiter. So I think he's going to keep doing that kind of stuff. I think a lot of these position battles that we want to come to an end are not going to yet for the same reason. Um, somebody needs to win that guard spot too. Yeah. Uh, we think Cam Stutz is pretty much anchored in there at that right guard. Is it right guard? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. So left guard seems to be open. You know, you would think by now Jeremiah Wright would take it. That's kind of the favorite to win that job, but, we keep hearing about Jaden Muskrat, you know, different things going on there. So I want somebody yeah. to run that job. Tate too. Hugh, yeah, he, he mentioned Tate and 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 uh, and Muskrat's a guy that I think fans pay attention to a little bit. His name's been mentioned a few times. I think he's definitely an option um, yep. there. And, and either way, I, either way, I think right Tate. Muskrat, probably all three of those guys play a decent amount in those first few weeks, um, yeah. unless they just nail the rotation right off the bat. Then and the, and the five they name go crush it against UMass, and they're like, "Well, geez, maybe we just nailed it right off the bat." But I bet you there will be a little bit of a little bit of tinkering in those first few weeks, giving some guys yeah. some, some different opportunities. I agree. Um, all right, before we get out of here, quick quick shout-out to our sponsor, Session Cocktail, downtown Auburn. Go check them out. Session next to Taco Mama. Um, awesome drinks, happy hour, four to six. Best old-fashioned in Auburn. Um, booze seating and bar seating and couches. It's an awesome setup, awesome environment. Go check out Session Cocktails in downtown Auburn. Um, they love us there, Cole. They love Auburn need, Live, man. I need to swing by, by there sometime. I keep hearing you talk cool about it. I'm very interested. It's a cool yeah. spot, good drinks, good drinks, chill, kind of a chill environment. It's not a typical college bar, so you're not, you know, you go in, get a, get a little place to sit. See, see I like to relax. Because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of getting to that point now where I'm like, you know, it's it would be a little weird for me to be in a college bar at, at the age I'm at. I have a kid, you know, it's like, eh. I'm trying to slow down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Listen, man, don't, 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 don't let your, yeah, don't let your youth go so quick. But <laughs> yeah. in Auburn, it's tough. I mean, in Auburn, it's like, it's a lot of, it's, you know, it's college bars and then you have some other yeah. places, um, that you can go. But session is that place that you can, you can pop in, get you a booth, 
they'll come to you and, and serve will come to you. So you're not getting up to the, going to the bar and coming back to the booth and that kind of stuff. So, okay. uh, it's a good spot. We'll, we'll get down there and have a drink, um, session cocktails in downtown Auburn. Also gametime.co. We mentioned them earlier. Um, go check them out for ticket options. All right, Cole. Uh, nice show. We'll be, we'll be back at it. We'll get, we'll, I'll see you, uh, I'll see you in Auburn for some for some player interviews and coach interviews, and we'll do another week another week of this, man. It'll it'll be done here. I think August nineteenth is their last day, something like that. I have to go check. So, um, of, of actual yeah. fall camp, then it'll transition. August nineteenth. So, That's a big I day. Think school for starts. Yeah, it's it's uh it's the day that Camarian Franklin announces his uh, college choice as well. It was that is that the case? Let me make sure I'm I'm saying that correctly. Um, well, how about that? <laughs> Should I feel, be like, feel like maybe it's almost like that could be planned. I don't know. It's um, weird, isn't, it? isn't that weird? A Saturday scrimmage on the 19th will be their last scrimmage of the uh, of the fall camp period, um, and then they'll take a couple of days off, probably as school gets going, and then transition into the season really at that point. Yep. All right, man. Good one. Um, everybody go check out auburnlive.com. Tons of good content, recruiting football content. Um, awesome message board. Shout out to the corner for all of them. I'm Justin for Cole. We'll see you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gamblernet in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.